are so glad that you have joined us this morning. Who's excited to be in God's house this morning? Come on, let me hear you. And as you heard and as you saw, we're in our third and final week of a series we've titled Stupid, right? And some of you guys are like, what is this all about, right? We've been talking all month. There's stupid, S-T-U-P-I-D, and then there's stupid, right? And that's how we misspell it there because uh, we've all been there before. The thing we've been talking about all month is, hey, we all make mistakes. We all blow it, right? We all do stupid things in life. And we all sometimes make stupid mistakes, even in our relationship with God and our pursuit of living a life set apart for him. And when we talked about this all month, I pray you've been encouraged this month if you've been with us at least for one week. And it's this, despite our stupid, despite our mistakes and our failures, it doesn't disqualify us from God's love. It doesn't disqualify us from his mercy, from his forgiveness, from his grace, from his ability to still do great things in us through us. Amen? We've, we've talked about it all month, but God loves us despite our stupid mistakes. And this is hard to fathom sometimes. It's hard to comprehend sometimes. But man, I, I, think, I think God's just trying to get something to us this month that, hey, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're not proud of, it doesn't stop you from God moving in your life. And if we can get back up from those failures and mistakes, God can do some really cool things in and through our midst. And so we've been taking the whole month to just look at some Bible characters and look at some of their stupid, some of their bad decisions, some of their mishaps, some of their failures, so that you and I could learn from that. How do they get back up? How do they move past that? How do they get on? And so uh, by a show of hands, how many of you guys have at least been here for one week of the stupid series? Praise God. Awesome. If you haven't been here or maybe you missed a week or two, just real quick as a recap to get you guys up to speed of where we've been. Week one, we talked about how to respond to stupid. And we looked at the character of David in the Bible, right? We saw his stupid mistake that he made with a woman named Bathsheba. But we also saw his, how he got his heart right back on track with God through Psalm 51 and, and his repentance there. And we know that God's beautiful mercy and grace is on display in David's life because he's still known as a man after God's own heart, after all of that crazy stuff, right? So that was week one. If you missed that, go back. Week two, we learned how to overcome the problem of the past. That was last Sunday. We looked at a man by the name of Saul who later became Paul in the Bible. He did some really bad things, right? And we learned that the key to overcoming our stupid, as we saw in Paul's life, was first making Jesus Lord of our life, amen? Putting Jesus in his proper place. And then we also went on to learn that, man, God can use others despite their stupid, right? And then more importantly, God can use you and I despite our stupid, all right? So that's where we've been the last two weeks. Today, we're going to look at a guy by the name of Peter. Everybody say Peter. We're going to look at Peter today, and, and I love Peter. I don't know about you guys. Any Peter fans in the room? Come on, somebody, right? Any of you guys like The Chosen? You like Peter's character in The Chosen, right? I, lo- I love Peter. Uh, if you're not familiar with Peter, he's this bold, blunt, uneducated, rough-around-the-edges fisherman that Jesus encounters on the sea one day. He says, drop your nets and follow me, right? And uh, he becomes one of the 12 main disciples that follow Jesus, and he actually gets a little in with Jesus. He's actually one of the three on Jesus' inner circle. Peter, James, and John had a more intimate, close following to Jesus than the other 12. And so he's a a close follower of Jesus, and he has so many highlights in the Gospels. Many of us realize that Peter was the first of the 12 disciples to acknowledge that Jesus was actually the Christ. Remember, Jesus asked them the question, who do you say I am? Peter was the first to speak up and, and speak 
truth, that I am the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. We know and we're familiar with the story of how Jesus was the only disciple bold enough and had enough faith to step out of the boat and actually walk on water with Jesus, right? Now he gets dogged about sinking and getting fearful, but he was the only dude that had enough guts to get out of the boat. Amen? And then we see that Peter was actually there on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus, the divinity of Jesus was being revealed to Peter, James, and John. He got to experience that. So he has a lot of highlights throughout the Gospels that we see. But like any of us, there's also some lows as well, right? And a lot of us are familiar with some of these. There was uh, a time when Jesus was having the Last Supper right before he was about to be crucified. And he's washing his disciples' feet and setting an example for them of how to serve. And and he comes to Peter and Peter's like, you ain't going to wash me. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter in his boldness says, wash my whole body. Give me a bath, Jesus. Like how stupid is that, right? Like, you love his boldness, right? Or in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they're coming to arrest Jesus, Peter, should have had my prop today, whips out a sword and cuts off the Roman soldier's ear. Said, no, no, you ain't taking Jesus. Woo, just whaps it out. Now, sorry, it's getting a little gory in here, but be, be calm. Jesus healed it and put the ear back, all right? So that, that's the God we serve, amen? But as you can tell, Peter, Peter has mishaps just like we do. And the reason I'm excited to talk about Peter is because he was a close follower of Jesus, he wasn't like this rogue dude. Now, he, he, we all have a past, and we've talked about that. Paul, last week, great example of how someone was living totally opposite, and God can redeem it. And many of us maybe have a similar testimony in our life. We were going the other direction, and then we find Jesus. But I love this week because we're talking about a dude who was tight with Jesus, a guy who followed Jesus closely. He was one of the initial 12 disciples and apostles of Jesus and had been walking with Jesus, yet still did some stupid things in his life that we can learn from. So maybe you're here and you've been walking with Jesus for years and, and you, you've gotten yourself in a situation where you're like, man, I just feel like I blew it. I feel like I've missed the mark. I feel like I'm not doing what God's called in my life. If you're here today, there's hope for you and Peter. Maybe you're new to this whole thing of faith. Maybe you're new uh, to Jesus. Maybe you just recently put your faith in him in the last few weeks and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? What if I screw up two weeks from now? What if I mess up three months from now? What if, what if three years from now I blow it? There's hope for you in the story of G, uh, Jesus and his interaction with Peter. And so let's be honest, we all make mistakes, but Peter gives us hope. I think the reason why many of us love Peter so much is because we can have hope in him. And so we're going to dive deeper into Peter's life, and we're going to look at a few mistakes and trust the Holy Spirit to just really minister to you and I today in a message that I've titled, Beyond Stupid. Everybody say, Beyond Stupid. Turn to your neighbor and say, beyond stupid. Hey, hey, be nice. Don't call your neighbor stupid, all right? We, we already had to talk about this, all right? Beyond stupid. Let's pray and get our hearts ready to receive from God's word this morning. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the word of God. And Lord, in the midst of our following and our attempt to worship you and follow you, Lord God, would you help us move beyond some of the stupid in our life? As we look to your word and we look to Peter, Lord, we ask you to bring revelation, light, knowledge, and understanding to our own hearts, to, to minister to us right where we find ourselves or where we might find ourselves moments, weeks, or even months and years down the road, Father. May that we find hope in Jesus today. May the mercy of God be evident and abundant in this place, Lord. We love you so much. We praise you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed said, amen. So lastly, we looked at Paul and the stupid he did 
before he met Jesus. This week, we're looking at Peter and the stupid he did while he followed Jesus. Are you guys on the page with me? All right. That's why this is so powerful because, man, many of us don't want to admit it, but we've all been there. We've all blown it, right? We've all made mistakes. And, and uh, I don't know, show of hands, anybody made a mistake while they've been trying to follow Jesus in their life? I don't got enough limbs to, to raise. Yes. You know, I'm a pastor, uh, so everybody puts me kind of on this pedestal or like this expect, expectation of high moral standard, and we believe in that. But as you know, I'm human, and uh, I'm human just like you are. And uh, I've, I've, I've had some funny kind of embarrassing moments, too, after receiving Jesus in my walk with him. And I'm going to share one of, you, one of them with you today. The previous two weeks, if you're here, uh, were childhood memories, all right? <laughs> they were memories before I knew Jesus and before my brain was fully formed, Right? If you're looking at me, you're like, you have no clue what uh, a bike, going off a bicycle jump with no hands is, or a nine iron lightning storm rampage is, then you need to go back and, and listen or watch week one and week two of this series, and you'll understand more about that. But, but today, I want to share a story from after I got saved, and this was probably about 10, 10-ish years ago. Uh, I was leading a, mi- a mission trip to Mexico, to Rama, Mexico, uh, with a group of college-age students that we were discipling. And Erica wasn't actually with me on this trip. Uh, she was leading another group of college-age students that we oversaw on a stateside missions trip. So uh, we go down there, and we're ministering in different villages, but we- it was over a Sunday that we were there. And so uh, Rama, Mexico had a Rama Bible Church, Mexico City. And that's where we're at. And Pastor uh, Tim and Rhonda Rogers is actually Erica and Erica's aunt and uncle, they invited me to speak at the Sunday morning service. And this is like awesome, all right? So again, everybody speaks Spanish down there. Uh, I don't speak very much Spanish. You know, I took two years in high school, praise God. And if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Yep, so I, a little, little bits and pieces here. And so praise God they had an interpreter. So I didn't have to learn Spanish or try to speak the whole message in Spanish. I just preached and then waited for the guy to, to, to make sure the people got it, right? Well, um, in the beginning of my message, uh, I put up like a picture of my family just so I could kind of make some personal connection with the, with the audience so they knew who I was. And, you know, I'm going around, I'm pointing to, hey, this is my kid, this is Ella, this is how old she is, this is Eli, this is Ezra. And, and then I get to my wife, I get, I get to Erica, and I pause there, and, and, and this is where the stupid comes in, okay? So me wanting to build rapport with, with the Mexican people and, and to try to like speak their language uh, without running it by the interpreter or anybody first... I begin to remember a little bit of Spanish, and I remember in Spanish class that the word caliente meant hot, all right? So I go on, and I say from stage, and this is Erica, Erica, and she is muy caliente, right? Trying to make a joke that, hey, my wife is hot, all right? And I ain't lying, because it's true, right? Uh, but, but uh, you know, I'm saying this, and the whole place starts rolling, like laughing. Like, and it was like a response. I was like, I didn't expect him to go that crazy, right? But I was like, huh. And I just kind of kept preaching and kept going on. Well, little did I know, at the end of service, I'm done shaking hands with everybody. And Pastor Tim Rogers, the senior pastor, comes over. And he's like, hey, Eric, that was an awesome message. And starts kind of congratulating me. He goes, uh, can, I, can I just pull you aside for a second? Do you want to know why everybody was laughing so much? Yeah, well, what's the big deal? My, wife, my wife's beautiful, right? He's like, yeah, well, in the context of what you said and how the interpreter interpreted, you said your wife is horny. Yeah, like a couple hundred people, Mexico City, her aunt and uncle, she ain't there. I was horrified, horrified. And, and later, I'm riding on the bus, and, uh, you know, that church will forever remember my wife. And some of you kids are like, Mom, what's going on? I'm like, praise God. There'll be another talk later. Um, 
I was horrified, and I had to call her, and she was horrified when she found out. Talk about being in the doghouse when you got home, right? It's like, sorry, I was just trying to make a comment there. But, but every, everyone say, that's stupid. Yeah, it is. It is silly. It's stupid, right? I know. But, but how many of you guys know we all make mistakes? Yeah, we all do stupid stuff. And Peter knows this all too well. So for the remainder of our time together this morning, I want to look at uh, a couple areas from what we can learn from Peter's mistakes. What can we discover? We're going to look at a couple things here in the Gospels that we see that I believe can really help us encourage us. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, the first one, the first thing we can learn from Peter is this. Number one, it's best to follow God's plan. It's best to follow God's plan in our life. We see Peter learn this lesson really hard in a pretty intense interaction with Jesus. So in Mark chapter 8, Jesus begins to circle up his disciples. It's starting to get to the end before the crucifixion. And he's starting to just say, hey, guys, bros, let me be real with you. I'm going to die, and then in a couple days, I'm going to raise again, right? And in Peter's boldness, check this out. Check to what happens in this interaction here. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 31. We'll, we'll look at verse 31 through 33. It said, And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him, took Jesus aside, and began to rebuke him. <laughs> But when he had turned around and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What just happened here in scripture? Jesus is preaching the truth. He's telling him, he's trying to warn him, prepare his guys. And Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him. Side note. Anytime you try to badmouth or rebuke Jesus, it doesn't really work well in your life. Amen? If maybe you've been in a season where you've run from God, you've cursed God, whatever, things don't go well in your life when you begin to rebuke the plan of God. Amen? Peter starts rebuking Jesus, and he's, he's passionate. And many you got, we've talked about this in other series before. A lot of these dudes that follow Jesus, they thought for sure Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom that this messianic kingdom was going to be set up, that Jesus was going to be this warrior king who was going to rule and reign and set it up. So this, this messed with their whole philosophy, theology, like, no, Jesus, my warrior king can't die, right? So Peter's being bold, and he's like trying to correct God, but he's actually, in mistake, gets in the way of God's plan for salvation. And so Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, Sometimes in our stubbornness and in our boldness, we can, we can get in the way of what God wants to do, right? I don't believe that God was calling him Satan. He wasn't actually Satan. But I believe what Jesus was trying to remark, say, hey, you're being used by Satan right now to try to stop God's plan for uh, salvation for humanity. That's a big deal. That's a big no-no for God. That was his plan. Jesus was. If Jesus didn't die on the cross, what hope do we have? If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, what, what hope do we have here today? Right? And so Peter got in the way of that. And, and I think we can relate to this sometimes on a, maybe a smaller level. Maybe Jesus has never, in your prayer time, called you Satan. I hope not. Right? And maybe you never got rebuked that way. But maybe in your stubbornness, maybe in your zeal, maybe in your passion, you've, maybe in your disobedience, you've had a Peter moment where you've went against God's plan in your life. Sometimes unwillingly and unknowingly. Maybe it's a relationship you know you ought not to be in, or you're, you're crossing boundaries and you, you're going to places that you should not be in, or, or you're just not listening to what God's saying about that situation, and you're standing against God's perfect plan for your life. Maybe it's pursuing a job or a career, 
that you're trying to justify and you're trying to make happen, you're trying to force, but God doesn't want you there. God has a better place or a different place from you and you're being disobedient, right? Maybe it's disregarding God's wisdom for financial stewardship in your life. You're doing it your way and you're doing whatever you want to do, but man, God's prompting you to be faithful in an area. Maybe it's just ignoring the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe God's saying go and you're staying. Maybe he's saying stay and you're trying to go. Maybe you're not uh, following that, those promptings, those checks in your spirit, the peace of God, and you're overriding that because of you want to do your thing, right? Oftentimes we can get in the way of God, and, and here's what I've always learned. God's plan is always the best plan. So just follow it. Hey, man, we learned from how Peter not to do this thing, right? Stand in God's way. So God's plan is the best way. The second thing we can learn from Peter is this. Number two, don't be afraid to acknowledge Jesus. Don't be afraid to acknowledge Jesus in your life. You see, Peter in his boldness and in his passion and zeal says that he would never deny Jesus. And let's go there in Scripture, Matthew 26, verse 33 through 35. It says, Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, surely I say to you this night that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so all the disciples said. Peter says, I'll, if I have to die with you, Jesus, I'll do it before I'd ever deny you. And Jesus calls him out and says, you know what? I already know your heart. I already know your fallenness. I already know your proneness to fail. Before this night's up, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, I don't believe it. And then as we go on in Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75, we know what happens. Many of us are familiar with this passage and verses. It says, now Peter sat outside the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you were also with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out of the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied in an oath and he said, I do not know the man. And then a little later, those who stood by came and up and said to Peter, surely you are also one of them for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear. Ever been able to curse and say, come on, Peter, watch your mouth, right? He began to per- curse and swear and saying, I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and he wept bitterly. Man. What a tough, rough interaction Peter has with Jesus here. We saw it in the first interaction. He says, get behind me, Satan. The second, again, G- Peter's one of Jesus' closest friends and followers. This isn't like an unsaved heathen dude. This is a guy who loves Jesus and has followed him a while and done ministry with him. And he says, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I'll die before I deny you. And yet he denies them that same night three times. Man, everyone say, beyond, beyond stupid. It's hard to comprehend. That's, that's beyond stupid, right? Yes, but I think we can find ourselves sometimes in similar situations just like Peter. You see, sometimes I think we make promises to God that we don't keep. God, I, I'll, I'll never look at that again. I'll, no, I'll never go to that website again. I'll never download that app again. Father, Father I'll never say that thing or that word again. I'll, I'll never hurt that person 
again in that way, right? We, we fill in the blank. We make promises to God that we, we, we fail to keep, we don't keep. And with the case with Peter, Jesus knew this. He already knew Peter was going to fail. And, and here's the deal. In God's love and his mercy and his sovereignty, he already knows that we are human and we are going to miss the mark sometimes. He already knows how we're going to do it. And it doesn't scare him away from us. It doesn't distance us away from him because he loves us so much. He knows that he needed to send his one and only son, Jesus, to bridge that gap of the distance of sin. He already did that. But he's not scared of your mistake. He's not scared of your failure. He's not scared of the stupid that you might do, could have done, and already have done in your life. In the same way, Peter, in his example, I think it hits too close to us sometimes. Sometimes I think we deny knowing Jesus in our everyday lives, right? Like, like on Sunday, woo, yeah, Jesus, but like Monday through Saturday, the way we live our lives, what we watch, our, the media choices, our language, our, our attitude, our behavior, would people even know that we're a Christian? Would they even know that we're a Jesus follower, right? If our coworkers ask us tomorrow, what we did over the weekend. So many times you're so tempted to tell them all the fun details you did except church because you don't want to make it socially awkward or be labeled some Jesus freak, right? Come on, warriors. What'd you guys do this week? Oh, I just hung out with a bunch of guys. (laughs) Yes, friends. It was good. And you don't go any further because you're nervous of how they might label you or what they might think of you, Right? kind of denying Jesus, worshiping Jesus from afar under a cover and a safety cloak. Man, everything we do either points towards Jesus or away from him, right? And here's the deal. Don't be afraid to rep Jesus in your life. Don't be afraid to rep Jesus in your life. Whether they like it, whether they don't like it, it doesn't matter. Man, don't deny Jesus like Peter denied him, right? Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm unashamed of Jesus. I'm not going to deny Jesus. Even if people kill me, try to beat me, try to stone me, I am not going to deny him. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. He says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men... Him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Guys, if he's been good to you, he can be good to somebody else. Don't be afraid to share him. Don't be afraid to tell him. Amen? No matter what they might think of you, we don't have to deny Jesus in our life. That's number two. The last thing that I, I want us to take away, and this is so important, that we can learn from Peter's example and his failure is this. Number three, receive God's mercy. Receive God's mercy. The most powerful way to move beyond stupid in our life is simply to receive God's mercy. See, Peter finds himself caught up in one of the biggest displays of God's love and mercy at the end of the book of John. If you've got your Bibles or you're turning them on, go to John chapter 21. I'm going to up to speed on the context of what's going on in, in John 21. A lot of you guys are familiar with this. This is where Jesus restores Peter after he's done all this crazy stuff, right, and denied him. Jesus has risen from the dead. He begins to reveal himself to all other disciples and people. And, and Peter and the disciples, they went out fishing, and they didn't catch anything. 
And all of a sudden, John's on the boat, and he sees this man on the beat, and he's like, hey, he tells Peter, that, that's the Lord. And Peter looks, and he sees, and he's like, oh my gosh. And so Peter, in his zeal and his boldness, jumps out of the boat and starts swimming to Jesus. And I love scripture, says after that, then the others just followed him in the boat, like they weren't even that far away. He was like, oh, Jesus. And he got all wet, and it's like, like right there docking, you know. Gotta love Peter. Right, and so they get on the beach, and, 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 and uh, side note, man, Peter literally swims to Jesus. We laugh at that, but he literally runs to Jesus when he sees him after what he did to Jesus on the night he was betrayed. I was reading this uh, yesterday as I was preparing, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's the right response even in the midst of our stupid. Who you run to after you're stupid makes all the difference. He could have been like, hey, John, fire up the Merc 275 and let's get out of here. Like, I deny him. Let's get out of here. I can't even face him. But he swims and he runs to Jesus on the beach. There's power in that. So all the disciples get on shore and they actually, Jesus cooks them a great breakfast. Um, And then Jesus has one of the most life-changing conversations with Peter. Here's what I want to pick up. John 21, verses 15 through 19. Says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying what death Peter would glorify God with. And and when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me powerful interaction here between Jesus and Peter. You see, Jesus is aware of all of Peter's stupid things. Yet Jesus doesn't run away from Peter. He runs towards him. And he has a heart to make him whole again, to restore him even after the stupid thing. I mean, Jesus had every right to be mad, didn't he? One of Jesus, come on, put it in context. One of your closest bros, one of the best sisters in your life, the top three people in your life you've done life with, hey, I'll never deny you, okay, good. And then right when they're about to be murdered, you act like you don't even know them. Man, Jesus could have been like, how dare you? But Jesus didn't chew him out. Jesus didn't beat him over the head with his mistake. Jesus said, there's no more use for you anymore. He didn't wholly stiff arm him for the rest of his life. He called him in. He said, let's have a conversation. And he restores Peter. That shows us the heart and the character and the nature of our Heavenly Father. How many times did Jesus ask Peter the question if he loved him? How how many times? Three. How, How many times did Peter deny him? Three. What did Jesus do the day he met Peter way back in the Gospels? He said, drop your nets and follow me. And he gave him a supernatural catch of fish. Very first day. 
Watch this. In John 21, what just happened before this interaction? They were on the boat. They had caught nothing. He said, cast your net to the right, and they had another huge supernatural catch. And at the last word in the last verse of John 21, Jesus says again, follow me. The mercy of God and the love of God comes full circle in Peter's life in this moment. And I don't know what you're dealing with, and I don't know what the enemy's beating you over the head with, and I don't know what you feel guilty about or shameful about some of the stupid in your life, but I believe God wants to bring mercy full circle in your life this morning too. That there's hope beyond stupid. Come on, that the mercy and love of God could overcome the deepest sin and the horrible mistakes that we've made. God doesn't kick Peter to the curb. He said, come on here. Do you love me? Then get back to work. Follow me. I love it. We learn from Peter that failure is not fatal when we're in Christ. Failure is not fatal when we follow Jesus, right? Mercy, the mercy of God is so abundant, right? Here's the deal. Mercy beyond stupid, but here's what I believe. God gives stupid mercy. You know what I say? We say something, when we say stupid, that means like you can't even comprehend it. God gives you and I stupid mercy that we don't deserve. Mercy is love, mercy, and compassion by somebody who has it in their power to bring judgment or harm, but withholds it. Jesus has every right to be mad at us when we miss the mark. God has every right to be mad and punish us, but that's what Jesus did. He came to take our place. He came to stand in the gap to take our punishment. We deserve the punishment of the cross. We deserve to die and go to hell. We deserve to be done. But Jesus took our place. And so, man, God extends great mercy to Peter beyond his stupid and Peter receives it. I think that's the biggest question we need to wrestle with ourselves this morning is simply this. Are you receiving God's mercy in your life? Have you received God's mercy in your life? Have you forgiven yourself of that mistake? Have you let it go and let God begin to work in your life? I feel like there's some of us in this room this morning or maybe you're watching or tuning in online and you feel like it's over for you. You, you love Jesus at one point, but you made a mistake you did some stupid in your life. Maybe you find yourself in a season right now where you're just rebelling and not doing what God has called you, asked you to do in your life, and you feel like there's no hope for you. You feel like God could never use you again in a mighty way. Let the word of God set you free this morning because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And, and, and the truth shall set you free, Jesus said. The word of God, if he did it for Peter, guess what? He can do it for you and I too. He can do it for you and I too. God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. God isn't pushing you away. He's trying to pull you closer. God is not rejecting you. He's redeemed you and he wants to restore your life. He wants to bring the mercy of God full circle in your lives. God has already done everything he's going to do about it. You and I as believers, as followers, have to simply receive his mercy. To receive it and then walk in it and make it good in his life because many of you guys know Peter goes on to become a in the church, in the early church. Right? He, in, two, two, he, gets, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit and then he gets up and he preaches just simply Jesus. 3,000 people get saved and baptized. 
And, and Peter was the one that God revealed in a vision that the gospel was for all people. That it wasn't just for the Jews, but that it would go to the Gentiles too. You know what? You and I are Gentiles. Without Peter getting back up after his stupid, we may not even know the gospel. We might not even know it would be available to us that we too could believe in Jesus and receive eternal life. Peter makes good on the mercy of God and produces fruit in his life. If you've been set back, come on, it isn't done yet. If you've been pushed back by the enemy and put down and paralyzed in your faith, today's the day you get up on your feet and say, not again, I'm not going to let the enemy keep me from everything that God has. I'm not going to hold this thing against myself or against that person. I'm going to move beyond stupid by the power of Christ and the mercy of God in my life. I'm going to go on and still do great things for the kingdom. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And so may we receive God's mercy this morning. May we receive his forgiveness this morning. May we follow God's plan for our life and not fight it. May we be bold for Jesus and not deny or not acknowledge him in our lives. And may we make good on the mercy of God that is extended to us today. Would you pray with me, friends, as we ask God's mercy to be poured out in our lives today in a powerful way? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we just thank you for the abundant love and mercy of your son, Jesus. The mercy that's extended to us right now. Lord, you're not arms crossed, disappointed. Your arms wide open, just like you stretched them out on the cross. Saying, come back home. Get back up, son or daughter. Dust yourself off. Do you love me? Then go, follow me, and feed my sheep. Father, I thank you for the redemptive power of your mercy and your grace in this place today. I thank you that no matter what amount of stupid we've done in our lives, it cannot separate us and keep us from your love. I thank you, Lord God, that there are people here that are overcoming some really dark stuff and deep stuff. And Father God, you are setting them free. You're setting their minds free. You're setting their soul free, Father God. You're setting their bodies free from this stuff, Father God. I thank you that you're igniting their spirit, Lord God, to connect with the truth that, Lord God, you love them and you have an amazing plan and you're not done with them yet. And so, Father God, may we receive your mercy and your grace in our lives. May it wash over us in these next few moments and heal us, pick us back up, restore us, and put us back in right relationship with you. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So be it.